The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 17 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, everybody out there. Thank you for coming back and listening to another episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. I want to give a brief apology for missing last week's episode, but I, I, I had my pre-launch event for Movement Headquarters and things got so crazy that I knew that you guys would understand if I took that all that's or not all, but that little amount of time that I had left over last week to make sure that I was putting out a great event. Um, I'm hoping that the episode, the week, the weeks prior, the, the episode about point shoes helped get you through that. It was about twice as long as most of our episodes. I've gotten a lot of great feedback on that episode. So, um, I will consider doing something like that again in the future. But yes, yeah, so as I was saying, I, I it took us three weeks to get a, a new episode back up because usually I do two weeks and then last week I was deep in the midst of preparing for Movement Headquarters Ballet Company's pre-launch event and fundraiser. Um, and damn, I have I, I consider myself to have like a strong work ethic, but I have never worked as hard in my entire life as I did last the last few weeks. Um, starting a company is really no joke, but I just want to share how excited I am about how this event went. So we, we have, we held our, our pre-launch showing at the Martha Graham studios in Greenwich village. And we had six of our eight dancers performing. Um, and we, our audience goal was about 40 to 50 people, but we ended up exceeding that by more than 50%. We had between 75 and 80 people in attendance. And I can't even tell you how many people told me they were on vacation. So that was incredible. Not only that, we had a silent auction. And in that silent auction, we raised nearly $1,000 to go towards launching this company uh, and having our launch, our launch performance. We also had a $2,500 match campaign happening at the beginning of that week. And I didn't know whether or not we would be able to fulfill that in that one week or in the entire campaign. But we were able to raise that $2,500 in only five days, which totals to $5,000 in five days. And then if you add the the, uh, silent auction, that's another $1,000. So in one week, we raised over $6,000 in private donations to have our official launch performance in this this winter probably sometime in january or february there was like just such a magical feeling uh, in the air that night you could tell that like the anticipation was palpable i i felt like i wanted to do well my dancers wanted to do well my dancers wanted to do well for me and all of the people in the audience i felt that they actually really wanted me to do well and the company to do well as well so you could see the anticipation and it was just so rewarding to see them 
actually get what they were looking for. And we got such wonderful feedback and it was just so thrilling. Um, my sister, she, she well, unfortunately wasn't able to make it to the, to the showing, but she asked me the next day how it went. And the only thing that I could think to say in response was that it felt significant. And it really did. It felt like something very important happened. It felt like something that people wanted. And for me personally, it felt like a major shift in my career. Like I've been dreaming this up for years, but, and and then when I started preparing it, I thought that it could happen, but it actually did happen. And now I feel very comfortable calling myself the artistic director of movement headquarters, ballet company which is crazy because we did a few little small showings uh, as a part of uh, bigger programs in the city just to sort of like get the word out about what we were doing. And when I would have to announce myself as the artistic director of Movement Headquarters, uh, it felt kind of, I felt kind of like a fraud. But after this past Saturday, like it's just crazy to think that I am beginning my own company in of all places in the world, New York City, um, it was just so exciting. So yeah, we, we've raised over $7,000 in private donations at this point. And, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a hiatus this week from that. And then I'm going to really start, uh, pushing more over the next few weeks. I, I plan on walking into some corporations and, uh, doing some more research on grants so that we can complete our $28,000 campaign to launch our company. Um, if you are interested in helping us make this this company a reality, you can visit my Instagram at bcarolis, B-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S. And I have a link to our Indiegogo campaign there. And all of our, dedu- all, of our uh, dona- all donations are tax deductible because we are fiscally sponsored by New York Live Arts. So yeah, that was crazy. It was amazing. And I still feel like I'm coming off of the high that was that entire experience. Uh, my dancers did so well. I was so proud of them. I, I just, uh, I can't wait to do more. All right. I could talk about that for the entire episode, but I'm not going to, um, what else has been going on? Oh, so I, I've left a lot of space open in my schedule this, this season. So we're about to start the new school year and I am only returning to one school, uh, aside from Broadway dance center and steps on Broadway to teach this year, because I really want to throw a lot of my focus into starting my company. And I, I realized over the past few weeks with how crazy things were that, uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was commuting outside the city uh, multiple times a week to teach. So I do miss those schools, but I I am looking forward to creating more work in the city, uh, whether it be uh, universities, open classes, or conservatory programs. But uh, just because I'm not commuting regularly, it doesn't mean that I don't uh, have the ability to do master classes, convention, competition work, uh, choreography, or anything like that speaking. I, I love traveling in the past for I, when I was freelancing as a performer, I traveled constantly. So if anybody is looking for, for master classes, choreography, speaking, uh, or like I said, convention or competition work, please feel free to reach out to me. You can go to my website, it's barrycorolis.com www.barrycorolis.com and you can reach out to me there or just go through social media like everybody does. Uh, 
So yeah, that's that. And then yes, my, my Broadway dance center schedule is changing slightly. Uh, my beginner ballet classes will be, will be moving to Mondays at 1.30 instead of Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. So beginner ballet on Mondays for this fall are 1.30 p.m. On Mondays, I have advanced beginner ballet on Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. On Thursdays at 4.30 p.m., I have intermediate ballet. And on Fridays uh, at 7.30 p.m., I have basic ballet. There are also other classes being added to my schedule here and there. Uh, I'll be running another basic class November, December. And I'm also subbing a lot of uh, Salim's uh, contemporary classes in September. Uh, that's He goes by Slam at Broadway Dance Center, but he was one of Madonna's dancers in the Vogue videos, in the Vogue video. So I'll be subbing for him while he's out of town. So yeah, that is what is going on with me. It's been crazy. I know that was a, an extended intro, um, but I just wanted to share with all of you guys what I've been doing. And I, I even had uh, a listener come up to me at the show and tell me that they've been listening for a while. And uh, one of my colleagues at Broadway Dance Center, I haven't I have never met, but uh, he's very well known. He came up to me and told me he is a podcast listener. So it's just cool to, to you know, do this thing. I, I'm meeting people all the time uh, that that listen. So, all right, move on from the, the intro, Barry. Move on. That's what you said you were going to do, right? <laughs> all right. So um, I, I was, I've had some trouble deciding what I wanted to podcast about this week. It's not that I didn't have topics. It's just that I really felt compelled to address the Lara Spencer Good Morning America controversy, um, which if you don't know what that is, I think it was Thursday last week. Lara Spencer, she was reading off the curriculum of, and don't, I, I don't follow the royals. I think I'm saying the right royal. If I don't, I apologize. You can Google who it is. I think it's Prince George. But so he's six years old um, and his curriculum for his school year included ballet. And Lara Spencer essentially mocked the six-year-old and made fun of him. And it got the entire audience to laugh with her. Um, because she thought that he, A, it was funny that he was doing ballet. And then when it was reported that he loved it, she said, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, so yeah, that was a big controversy. She posted a pretty empty apology on her Instagram and then blocked all the comments, which I thought was a poor decision. So at least 90,000 of us went on her next post on Instagram and left comments there. And she ended up reaching out to Travis Wall and Robbie Fairchild and Fabrice Kamel's Travis Wall from Saving Can Dance, Robbie Fairchild from New York, former New York City ballet dancer and Broadway star, um, and Fabrice Kamel's, who is a leading dancer with the Joffrey Ballet in Chicago. Um, she ended up reaching out to them and interviewing them to and apologizing. And then there were hundreds of dancers that showed up on Monday morning to protest and dance in front of Good Morning America. And honestly, I felt like the whole thing came out pretty well. And uh, I mean, I'm not the type of person to be like, shame on you. But I, I did I did offer that she should educate herself on the topic. Um, I, I don't think that people's minds are changed uh, immediately. I think it happens over time. And when something like this happens, you should go and you should kind of take a step back and you should educate yourself and then make a decision about how you feel and then come out with your decision. I think like an immediate, like I've changed my mind is not realistic. Uh, but I think she did the right thing. And honestly, I think that it's been covered so much on the news and blogs on other podcasts. Um, and in, periodicals for dance that I, I honestly don't want to talk about this week. 
I've, I have been addressing this topic for many, many years. I've been podcasting now for almost three and a half years, which is crazy to me. Um, so if you want to know how I feel about this topic, instead of me devoting another podcast episode specifically to Lara Spencer just so that I can get numbers, um, I would just suggest that you check out my previous episode on toxic masculinity. That's episode 106 or my uh, episode on masculinity and dance, and that's episode 59. So I'm not jumping on that train for for listeners. Um, if you would, if you are interested in hearing what I have to say about it, I guess send me a, send me messages, and I'll and if there is an overwhelming amount of people, or if there are an overwhelming amount of people, I speak English well, um, that are interested in hearing my my take on the Lara Spencer uh, scandal, um, I'm happy to talk about it. But I I wanted to talk about something else because, um, like I said, this past week was a big big deal for me, and I. Don't think that I would be where I am today if I was still performing. Um, and I'm only 35. I'll be 36 in about um, two months, which is a month and a half. Crazy. I'll be in my, I'm almost getting close to my late 30s. I'm still in my mid 30s though. But yeah, so uh, I I feel that a, a lot of my friends that I danced with in school, the, especially my close friends, they're still performing. And so we're all around the same age, somewhere between like 33 and 36 years old. Um, and I, sometimes I look at them and I go, oh, like they're so lucky to still be performing. And I wish that I had the longevity that they had in their performance careers. And, um, but then there are times where I, I stop and I take a look at my, my career and then where I am now. And I recognize that I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't retire young. Um, and I mean, granted, I've said this before, like I probably could have held on for a couple more years, but just based off of like what was happening, um, in both my body and my mind, I, I made the decision to retire young. So I wanted just to talk about why I retired young, um, and the benefits that I, that I got out of retiring young and maybe some of the challenges that I had from retiring young. So that is what I'm going to talk about today. So I want to I want to start this this topic by going back to the beginning. So my childhood aspirations, I, I feel like I knew what I wanted to do really young. I know that a lot of people say that and then they go through the actual like process of training to become a professional dancer. But I remember being like 12 years old and my heart like aching because I wanted to be on Broadway so bad. Like I, I guess I, I mean, I started dancing at two. I didn't really start focusing until I was like 13. Um, but I remember something happening when I was 12 and I just felt that I needed to do this for people for a living. And it, it just really, it became something that was very, very important to me. And when I say that, like my heart would ache, like it was actually a physical feeling that I got. I, I can't even explain it, but it like caused me pain to think that like, one day I wouldn't be able to dance. Um, so yeah, I I thought I was gonna be on Broadway when I was a kid. Uh, and eventually when I was about 15 years old, I started to want to become a ballet dancer. But either way, no matter where I was, I always started putting timetables on my dreams. Um, and then I would judge my success based on those timetables. Like for instance, uh, once I once I started to focus on ballet and I learned that a lot of ballet dancers started young, I was like, if I don't get a professional career by the time I'm 19, I'm going to be too old. I'm not going to have a career, which that wasn't true. Uh, but 
remember going to the Care of Academy Ballet when I was 17 and people being like, oh, he's the old guy. I was like the oldest person in the dorms minus like maybe one or two Korean dancers. Besides, they wouldn't let people in the dorms at a certain age. I was the last one cut off. And then uh, when I went to school American Ballet, I was 18 and then 19 by October. So I remember there were there were people, there were, there were dancers getting into the company, New York City Ballet at 15, 16, 17 years old. And there I was, the old 19-year-old trying to get into the company. So <laughs> I, I always had like age, mental age issues going on. So I guess that at that point, like I really just started to be like, okay, if I don't get a career by the time that I'm 19, I'm not going to have a career. Okay. If I can last till I'm 24, great. Cause I remember I've talked about this in a past, past episode, how there was a dancer the year that I started dancing professionally. When I joined Houston Ballet, there was a dancer from Miami City Ballet that had just left and she was 24 years old. And I was okay. If I can make it to 24, I'll be good. And then I was like, if I'm not promoted by a time that I'm 28, it's never going to happen. All right. Now, if I can make it to 30, I'll be great. Okay. If I can make it to 34, then it's okay to retire. Like I had like all of these different ideas of what it meant to have a dance career in my head. And if I succeeded in getting them I felt great and I would set a new goal and if I didn't succeed I didn't know what I was going to do so I'll get to that in a second when I actually didn't get to that goal but yeah so I was judging my success based off of that so I was lucky I I was able to realize my aspirations of becoming a professional dancer and so when I was younger it was I wanted to have a career in musical theater I wanted to be on Broadway and then when I turned 16 I wanted to become a ballet dancer and I was constantly told that I didn't have the right body or that I should do modern dance or that I should do Broadway but I fell in love with ballet and that's what I wanted to do so when I was 19 I got my first job with Houston Ballet and then when I was 20 I joined Pacific Northwest Ballet so I I felt so grateful to be able to start my career but it's interesting because the first like year or so that you start your career, you have like all of these amazing feelings where you're like, okay, oh my God, I get to take class in the morning and rehearse all day. And I get to do these ballets that I've been dreaming of doing my, my entire childhood. Well, not, I mean, I was a late bloomer. So my, the short period of time I was obsessed with ballet, <laughs> but yeah. So, and then you're in the studio watching these dancers you've looked up to and these amazing athletes and artists and you go, oh my God, I get to do this every day. And then you get to act in these full length ballets and you get to act like a, somebody from like 17th, 17th century, like Great Britain, or you get to be like a goofy character or anything like that. And you keep on, you just keep on having these like moments where you go, I cannot believe this is my job. Or I remember like stepping on stage and having a, a live hundred piece orchestra. I'm making numbers up 80 piece orchestra, hundred thousand piece orchestra, <laughs> but, uh, having a live orchestra playing music and you getting to perform to that. Uh, it was just, a year or two of realizing a dream and just being enamored by it. But once that time passes, you then you get into the grind of things and you get into the grind of getting promoted um, and staying healthy. So when I joined Pacific Northwest Ballet, I had my first, my first major injury. Uh, when I was training, I honestly was quite healthy body-wise. And uh, when I was in Houston Ballet, I had like a minor issue where, I'm not going to get into this, but... 
somebody on staff kicked my heel to try to get me to do a higher elevating class and they ended up tweaking my ankle because of it. So I missed like a week, but it wasn't like a major injury that took me out. But my first major injury was doing Prodigal Son, Balanchine's Prodigal Son with Pacific Northwest Ballet. And my back went out really badly and I could barely walk and I didn't know what it was. And I was diagnosed at the age of 20, I guess I, I remember actually it was my 21st birthday. I was diagnosed with a degenerating disc in my lower back. And <laughs> they told me that it was like the equivalent to a six year old's disc. And I was like, I'm 21 years old. How did this happen? And it's because my back was really flexible and weak, like flexibility is weakness. And also because my arabesque was like my prized thing. Like I was well known for having a nice arabesque. So I would just whack my leg in arabesque at any point that I could. Apparently that's not very good for your lower back. Uh, but yeah, so on my 21st birthday, I was diagnosed with a hernia, or not herniated, but yeah, de- degenerating disc. And I <laughs> I remember getting my MRI results and then meeting the the guy that I was with and just like drinking gold schnapps. Uh, is that what it's called? Gold schnapps? I haven't drank it since that day because I got sick. It was my 21st birthday. I'm giving you guys too much information today. But uh Goldschlager, that's what it was called, Goldschlager. Um, anyway, I, I, that's how I took care of that situation. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my initial injury. And I thought to, when it first happened, I was like, okay, I'll get better and it'll be fine. Um, and then this became my recurring injury. And by the time, so that's, this is my 21st birthday. By the time that I was 24, I think my back, as we would say, it technically isn't going out, but we, we say it's gone out. Um, I, I would say my back had gone out maybe like five or six times. And there was one time that uh, we were working with Susan Stroman. She had, she's a Broadway choreographer, but she had come to do a short piece on the company. And we had been rehearsing with her. And it was Nutcracker, so we were really doing a lot. It was like shows and rehearsals for this new piece. And I remember going to sleep and waking up and my back was out. And it, it was just shocking to me because I was like, I'm not even dancing and my back is going out. What is going on? So... I ended up taking some time off after that to really like assess what was going on. And I, I realized that I wasn't sure if my career was going to last much longer because my back was going out regularly. So I, I really took some time to figure out what I could do and come up with a game plan. I actually had two physical therapists at that time. The wonderful physical therapist we had at, at Pacific Northwest Ballet, but he also was quite busy because he had all the ballet dancers. So I saw somebody else. And combining the efforts of the two of them, we created a plan that actually worked really, really well. Uh, and a majority of it wasn't like massage. I mean, of course, I would get massage when I was sore and get adjusted. But a majority of it was just going to the gym and doing core exercises and making my upper body stronger. So do lifting weights, but making sure that there were core exercises involved whenever I was lifting weights. And the combination of that and some help from the physical therapy department actually kept me pretty healthy for the rest of my time that I was at Pacific Northwest Ballet. I didn't have to see our physical therapist as much. I didn't have to get adjusted as much. And uh, it really just changed my life. And I was like, wow, okay, I can do this. I'm not going to have my career end at the age of 24. And there I was, 24. I made it past that marker. And I was so excited. So I set my next bar at 30. 
So yeah, uh, after seven years at Pacific Northwest Ballet, and I've talked about this extensively on my podcast, I decided that I needed to go. But I almost didn't leave the company out of fear of leaving, not the company, but the fear of leaving the physical therapy team, because I, I knew that I could keep my career going with the assistance of physical therapy and my exercises, but I, I wasn't sure if I could maintain it on my own. And unfortunately, I, I, I realized this fear when I was at Ballet X in Philadelphia. So I, I left Ballet Pacific Northwest Ballet at 27, the age of 27, and then I went to Ballet X, and they provided absolutely no health care for the dancers. They provided absolutely no physical therapy, no acupuncture, chiropractic. There wasn't any option for help. Um, it all had to come out of pocket, and I, I was making one-third of the money I was making in Seattle, and I was paying Cobra like $500, $600 a month for my insurance. I didn't realize I could get cheaper insurance because I was so busy, and ended up getting injured because I waited too long to take to, to get like the physical therapy or chiropractic that I needed. I was doing my exercises, so it took six months for me to actually get injured. But what I didn't realize is that I just had to suck it up and see a chiropractor on my credit card, things like that. So um, as most of you know, if you've listened to my podcast for all, I ended up getting fired for the injury. And from there, I started freelancing and I had no money to take care of my body. So I, I would sometimes do things like, like I said, I would use my credit card to go to a chiropractor or if I got a big chunk of money from a gig instead of paying off my credit card, I would go to get a massage which is funny because a lot of people outside of the dance world would go, oh my God, he got a massage. He like chose to just go relax. Uh, but massage is an integral part of taking care of your body as a dancer. And uh, I would do it only when I absolutely felt that I had to. And I would usually use money that would have been used to pay off my bills to do so. So yeah, freelancing, I had no money to take care of my body. And my anxiety levels rose a lot because of that. And then also... I, I was constantly being flown around the country to perform and people were, or organizations were paying a lot of money to have me come out. And I, I was starting to develop this stress complex, this anxiety complex surrounded around whether I was going to get hurt because not only was I afraid that I wasn't going to get paid and I wasn't going to be able to pay my bills, let alone take care of my body. I was also afraid of letting these organizations down. So there was like no out in my mind in the freelance life because I was always afraid to disappoint and I was always afraid to get hurt and I was always afraid I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. So it really started to wear on me. Um, and then I had my Oakland ballet experience, which I've also done an episode completely devoted to that. And, uh, that's where I had my career ending injury and my burnout. And I went through, it was interesting because between, so that was, when was that? That was 2014. So it was four years ago. I was 31. I think I was 31 at the time. I need to calculate that. So if that was 2014, I would have been actually 30 about to turn 31. So yeah, so I was, I was 30. I'd made it past that 30 milestone and I had already set that marker. Okay. I need to make it to 36 and then I can retire, but I got a lot to do in a, in a short period of time because I wanted to become a star. <laughs> so I, I had my injury and I was like, okay, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to take time off. 
And I ended up not staying home. And then I, I did stay home. But so what happened was I went to Alaska. I directed for a period of time. When I came back, I was like, okay, I've had time to recover from my injury. Now I'm going to recover emotionally. I'm going to get my body together back in dancing form so that I can perform again. But I never like really made it over that hump. And I, I didn't I, I didn't admit that I was probably retired back in like May of 2014. Um, so finally in 2000 what was it I, I the end of 2015 i was like all right this is it i'm gonna retire um and i don't even know if i even really truly believe that i was I, I was about 32 at the time and uh i could still dance and i was still taking class but i couldn't emotionally bring myself to get back in the studio a a i didn't want to partner again because I just I didn't want to feel the stress of letting anybody down or not being able to pay my bills. But also I didn't want to feel the pain because my last injury was significant. I remember my back was getting really bad and I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and I couldn't even roll over to get out of bed. <clears throat> so I did like a rock I had to like rock back and forth for like ten minutes until I finally rolled and just like plopped down on the floor. And then I couldn't get up. So then I had to like crawl to the wall and I had to use my hands and push myself up and every step I took it felt like my torso was going to fall off my waist it was so bad that I remember going to to the bathroom uh and I almost passed out like this is TMI but I almost passed out trying to pee because it hurt so bad and all I could imagine was that sex in the city episode where I don't know what the names of the 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 characters are because I would only see it like in the background when my husband's watching it but I think it's the redhead (laughs) she hurts her back and she falls and she's like naked on the floor like I was imagining that was me and that's how the ambulance would have to come and find me um or people that at that at the house I was staying at would find me but yeah so I I didn't want to feel that physical pain again. Um, But I had all these things happening in my head, like that, that thing I was saying earlier, like that judgment of me, myself against my, my peers and friends and being like, well, they outlasted me. It's kind of crazy because I'm not like a jealous person. um, But I, I had this like sense of, I guess, internal competition that I wasn't aware of. And I would be like, I am a hard worker. I can push through anything and I should have a long career for that. So there were all these things that were getting in the way of me like making that decision to move on from my performance career. Also, I didn't really know exactly where I would fit in in the other side because I feel like I always thought that I would sort of see the end coming. I didn't think it would just happen. So I thought that I would get to spend like the last year or two of my performance career preparing for myself to have the, my post-performance career. Um, but it's like I was just there. It just happened. And I I felt like I still could make the decision. But in the end, it wasn't really even a decision. It was just admitting to myself that I was there. So yeah, I, I finally made the decision. I, I think I announced it. I can't remember exactly. It was either the end of 2015 or the beginning of 2016. And that's around the time that I started preparing to move to New York so that I could really focus on the second stage of my career. And I, I knew at the time that I wanted to focus on my choreography. And I was thinking I wanted to start a company. Um, but I, 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 I hadn't really made my plans. So honestly, the whole experience of super commuting from 
Philadelphia to New York to build work. It wasn't just to build work to move to New York, like to be able to afford to move to New York. It was really for me to really get the chance to explore how I was going to go through this this next stage of my career. So it was it was definitely a very interesting experience. But now I I have arrived in this part of my career, and I'm so glad that I did make that decision. At the age, I, I was 32, at the age of 32. Now I'm 35. It's been three years since I've made that decision. And I'm just very grateful for it because, I mean, first things first, there are very few times in anybody's life, if ever, that they can say that they were old and then they can say that they were young again. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd love to say that like when I finished my performance career, I was getting old. I was when I would do gigs, I was considered the older, more experienced dancer, and then I retired. And now, even though I'm three years into this this side of my career, I'm still considered one of the young guys when as a as a teacher. Um, so that's pretty cool. Like who can say that they they were old and now they're young again? Well, that's one thing that it just it makes me laugh. I think it's hilarious. Uh, but yeah. The other things, it, it, I, I feel like, I remember when I left Pacific Northwest Ballet and I joined Ballet X and I was thinking, okay, I had the potential to really make a mark here. And then I was fired less than a year later. And as I was doing my freelance career, I remember like at times I would be like, if I was still at Ballet X, what would I be doing now? And I'd say, okay, well, I definitely wouldn't have been traveling the way that I have. I definitely wouldn't have gotten these skills that I, I have managing my own career, uh, writing, uh, writing about dance, uh, giving speeches, throwing events, um, managing my own contracts and travel, uh, and a variety of other things. So I, I, I was always like, well, if I had a company attached to me, I would have gone further, but at the same time, I wouldn't have gone all these skills that I, I've been able to use in my second career. So yeah, I, I, I was definitely very grateful that I, I was able to do those, to get all those skills while I was freelancing, because I feel like even though I'm very young in this stage of my career, at the same time, I, have a, an immense skill set that that helps me do do what I do. Um, the other thing that I think has been so fascinating since I retired young is that a lot of times we get so caught up in our performance uh, career that it has to be like this spectacular like firework of a career where like it builds, it builds, it builds and it ends in fireworks and you have your retirement performance and that that will be the pinnacle of your life, like the best thing you ever do. And then you retire and you have to start over and you don't get the glory because you're not that person standing in front of the curtains for the, for the, the call for the, to, to get to bow. And, and after a ballet, you weren't the star of that ballet. But for me, it's been just shocking and wholly gratifying to find that I'm actually so much more fulfilled in my in my in my choreography and my my education and writing career than I ever was as a dancer. And now this is going to be a hard comparison because I loved my dance my performance career and I miss it and I enjoyed it and I there's romance and nostalgia in my mind about it, but I worked so, so hard and I feel like I got to a point where 
my the amount of success I had was great, especially considering where I'd come from and how late I had gotten into ballet. But I had sort of hit a place where I don't think I had much more room for growth. And it was a combination of just uh, timing. It was a combination of limitations with my body. It was, uh, also, I, I was great at choreography, but it took me more time to learn choreography. Um, so I think I had sort of reached like a peak in my career where I wasn't going to go much further. And if I had chosen to extend my performance career a bit longer, I probably would have just been doing the same thing, which would have been great. But at the same time, it, I don't think there was much more room for growth there. But now that I've entered this this second part of my career, I in the three years that I have been teaching full-time, choreographing full-time and writing and everything else in between, now directing, I have received more credit and accolades than I did my entire performance career. The fact that I've had articles in Dance Magazine, Point Magazine, um, Dance Teacher, uh, that I've been featured in other magazines. Um, the the fact that one of those articles was The Conversation, which if you look, it's a, it's a newer column that's only been around for a little over a year. If you look at the professionals that have written for that column, like I am so honored to be amongst that company. Um, I have been flown to teach at competitions and conventions. I have been brought out for master classes. I, I choreographed for the winner of Youth America Grand Prix. Um, I have been sought out for a handful of activities. Uh, all of this has happened in three years, and I, I feel so grateful that I chose to retire when I still could have performed because. There's so much to look forward to on the other side of the the stage or on the other side of the studio in the front of the studio. However, you if you want me to say this eloquently, that's that's what I got for you. But um, there's so much to look forward to on this side of this career. And I guess that's that's why I really wanted to do this episode, because I feel like there are so many professional dancers that are so caught up. We, you get caught up in your performance career. It's exhausting. It's exhilarating. And you have to work your booty off. Um, and you don't always get the rewards of your, like you don't always get to reap the rewards of your hard work, but there, if you can find a way to step away from the ego of your performance career and really just dig in and, and be creative. And by being creative, I don't mean like, uh, create a new ballet. I mean, be creative in different pathways that you could have in your second career. Uh, that that's these are telling you, this is the reason why I'm doing this episode because for me, nothing has been straightforward. Like I am not just a teacher, uh, or I don't just teach ballet. I, t I created a contemporary syllabus. So now I do ballet and contemporary. I don't just choreograph for students. I choreograph for professional students, anybody. Um, I don't just teach conservatory students. I teach uh, recreational adults. I don't just work in the studio. I write, I podcast. Um, 
I just recently gave a lecture at Broadway Dance Center's teacher training, uh, and then I also taught a dance class at their teacher training, focusing on how content how ballet influences contemporary. So what I'm trying to say, I'm just like rambling on at this point. What I'm trying to say is, you can be creative, and if you really do want to stay involved in the dance world after you you step off stage, it really can be just so beautiful and so rewarding and. It, there are so many great things that can happen in the second part of your career. So yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm just happy that I retired young. I never thought that I would ever say that. Like I really thought that I was going to be that person that would like find a way to transition to Broadway and then be able to dance until I'm 70, like Barishnikov doing modern, modern stuff. But when I started mentioning to, to people that I was starting my company and a lot of these people still see me taking class, they're like, Oh, are you going to dance? And I was like, I don't want to dance. Like I don't need to be the, I don't need to be at, at the center of the stage performing in my own company, like getting to watch my dancers this past Saturday perform and succeed and break through certain boundaries that they had at the beginning of our rehearsal process. Like that was so absolutely rewarding. And I felt like a proud father, even though some of them are close to my age, which, so that doesn't make any sense. A proud brother. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it, I'm just so happy that I've been able to move seamlessly into the side of the, this career, and I hope that I can help inspire those of you that uh, have a career-ending injury or those of you that are considering leaving the stage younger than uh, most would consider. I hope that this offers you some guidance and inspiration and hope that there is there are still great things for you that can be greater than standing center stage with the spotlight on you, with a live orchestra playing, even though know, that's pretty damn great. So yeah. I'm just grateful that I got a head start on building a career that many of my pre- many of my peers will also enter uh, when they retire, uh, and that w- will be delayed to a degree. But that doesn't mean that they can't succeed and do great things as well. I, I just there there is hope beyond the stage. So yeah, I uh, I wanted to talk about why I retired so young. I. it it crossed my mind about a month ago because my back was really hurting and something that I thought was great was like I I take class regularly and I love being in class and I the, the best part about being retired was when my back really started hurting I could just not take class for a couple days and let it get better this time unfortunately it was worse it's been about three weeks uh, since I've taken class. Also, I was really busy. Uh, so I gave myself yoga classes, but I actually just gave my back a chance to rest. And here's the thing. I didn't miss a step. I didn't have to worry about telling my director that I was injured. I still could show my dancers what I needed. And if I couldn't, I could tell them what I needed them to do. Um, and then yesterday was the first day uh, that I started giving myself bar and I'll give myself bar for a couple more days and I'll get back in the studio. Um, they're so it, it's so nice not to have the pressure of I need to show up even though I'm in a I'm in an immense amount of pain. That 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 was just a, a great realization. And it really just sort of showed to me that I did the right thing, and that was really what inspired me to to podcast about this today. So, um, I'm I'm not really gonna sum this up very much because I feel like it, it it's it's 
all-encompassing in what I, what I just said, but I am going to leave you guys just saying that if any of you guys are at a point where you are experiencing this transition or you're considering retirement for any reason and you are seeking out advice, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to share more words of wisdom or just to, to listen to what, what you're going through. And uh, you can always do that by reaching out to me on social media or going to my website, which I'll mention in my outro. So I hope that you all are very well. I hope you had a wonderful summer. I will be back to podcasting every two weeks regularly now, um, now that my, my showing is over. And uh, now we get to start the school year. And in a couple months, I'll be able to tell you that my company is launched, which is very exciting. So with that, I shall leave you. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I wrote for five years about working as a freelance artist and independent contractor. And then I also have Dancing Offstage, and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And on there, I talked about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel where you can check out my choreography and you can find that by going to youtube.com, going to the search bar and typing in B. Carolis. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.